Hello, this is Champ 180. I'm your host, your helper and friend, Adam Childress. If you're listening and expecting a Kumbaya session on what you want to hear, this may not be the show for you. We are committed to encouraging and developing champion-like individuals who desire to learn, grow, improve in the five core areas of champ. I'm real, transparent, and say what's on my mind with no fluff or puff. So listen up, because today is your day. Stay tuned. Hello, and thank you for listening to the Champ 180 podcast. This is Adam Childress. Today, we are going to discuss character and the different aspects of our lives. The meaning, the purpose of having good character and the different ways it uh, can influence our lives as a parent, a spouse, an employee, a leader, etc. Today, I have the privilege of and the honor to have a friend, my first guest on the show. His name is Nathan Long. And his family and, and our family have been good friends for quite some time. So Nathan is a technology veteran, having spent 24 years in cybersecurity, which is very needed nowadays, and a priest with the Anglican Church of North America. He spent 17 years in bivocational ministry and is presently working on a dissertation in practical theology at Sioux Falls Seminary, where he is also about to complete a two-year program in spiritual direction. More importantly, he is the husband to Elisa and father of four children, bridging the adult and almost adult stage of life. Exactly. Thank you, Nathan, for being here. Oh, my pleasure. Would you like to say anything else about you? Anything, uh, you know, background or family? Well, I, that kind of covers it. My wife is Elisa. Our oldest is 21. She's at Bible school right now. Our youngest just turned 15, so... That uh, is an interesting part of life, for sure. Yes, it is. Uh, with me and my uh, three teenagers, so uh, it's definitely there's challenges, but there's also blessings uh, just to watch them grow and adults. Got to have breakfast with my son this morning, and it was an interesting conversation, just running through some experiences that he lived through, but was young enough that he had no memory of what were the motivations, or how did this happen, or why did that take place. So interesting to review with him, and and uh, hopefully learn from, oh, that's why that happened. But that's awesome that he's able to share that with his dad. For sure. I'm so pleased that he's interested in spending that time mm -hmm. before he runs off and goes ice skating. Oh, that's true. <laughs> is that where he was going? Yeah, they're headed up to Lake Lowell to take advantage of the fact that the entire lake is frozen across. So. Oh, that'd make me nervous. <laughs> that's I, just me. <laughs> I grew up doing it, so oh, a little bit more comfort there. In Indiana, right? Yeah. Okay, gotcha. So Nathan, uh, again, thank you for being here. We would like your perspective on character. We would love to hear your ex expertise and experience dealing with character in several areas in life. So the first question is simple. I know that each of us have different definitions on, on character. Um, so can you tell us your definition on character? What does it mean to you? Sure. Well, I'm somewhat in transition. So um, historically, what I've said about character is that who you are is the sum of your choices. Mm -hmm. And the reason why that's important is that if you make a good choice today, then you're a different person tomorrow than you were the day before. And so that, that means change is, is attainable, is reachable. And a sense of identity about am I a good person, am I a bad person, etc., is um, is not far away in the distance. It's the sum of your choices, right? Um, 
However, while I still really affirm that, I, I really like that idea, I'm not sure it captures enough of what character is about. So lately I've been thinking, like, what is character? How much of it is something that others form in you by how they, what they do, how they treat you, etc.? How much of it are you born with? If you, let's say you're born without good character, quote unquote, good mm, character, yeah. then, then how do you improve it? How do you get character if you don't have it? Good question. Um, so those are the kind of things that I've really been musing on, and I don't have a single sentence definition for that yet. Although in an effort to try to say, how would I define character? I looked it up in the scriptures, and depending on what version you're using, um, the word, the English word character appears zero times in the King James, all the way to 10 times in the New English translation, for example three times in the New American Standard, Interesting. And, you know, et cetera. So it translates several different words, um, a couple of different Hebrew and Greek words. The one that struck me most interesting is that um, one of the times when uh, the word character is used, it translates the word chayil, which is the same word behind, like at the Proverbs 31 woman, eshet mm chayil. -hmm. Chayil, we often think of her as... Um, uh, well, I, I think the best word is valorous, the valorous woman. And in that verse that I'm referring to, they use noble. So to be noble is to have character. Mm -hmm. But of course, you can have good character or bad character in terms of how it's used in English, right? Right. So that, I guess it, it tip, character typifies who you are um, by nature, you might say. Not sure I'm really happy with that definition, but that's an attempt to explain. No, I think it's great, so. especially with the... Uh... Scripture, scripture wise, and uh, Proverbs thirty one, you know the uh, you say the Greek. What was the Hebrew? Uh, the Hebrew Chayil. Yeah, yeah, that's interesting. Never knew that. Which also that's interesting too, because it means like a good wife, a good woman is a woman of character. Yeah. Or, yeah. Anyway, it's interesting how character. we can translate. That. What does that mean? Exactly, it begs the question, doesn't it? He's a guy <clears throat> of character. Okay, what, what kind, kind of character? Of character? Exactly. <laughs> yeah. So people who have weak character usually cast a blame on what happens around them, events, situations as such. Honest, ethical people make good decisions regardless of what happens to them. If they continually make good choices, then their character will become solid and keep improving the more good choices they make. Can you, Nathan, give some good examples or experiences in your life when you had terrible choices that reflected poor character in contrast with now making better choices growing up as an employee and as a family man? Sure. So I guess I'll start chronologically, right? Because I can... Sure. And, and it's important to me to start not by what I did, but what by with what my dad did. Because I, I find it very difficult to discern between how much of who I am, what my character is, is a function of how I responded versus a, a function of how I was trained. Mm. Uh, and, and I think it's both. But where does the, what, is the, what are the percentages? I have no idea. But I, I think it's important to acknowledge that the nature of whoever I am as a man began to be formed. Well, first of all, there's something about who God created us to be. Right. Right. And that just is what it is. Mm -hmm. But then it also then, the second step, I think, is how your parents parent you. 
Which, of course, does not mean that you can't have good character if you had horrible parents. That's not what I'm saying at all. But by the same token, I think who I am began to take its form because my dad wrestled with me. And he often said, um, my dad was a really strict parent. Um, and I never rebelled. And he would often tell me, I think you didn't because of the time we spent wrestling. He would come home for work and and uh, get down on his hands and knees and we would wrestle on the, on the living room carpet. And he thought that just formed a bond that you know, got us through then the, the more tension filled teenage years. And I think he's on to something there. Hmm. So I, I, I want to say that my character started with my dad wrestling with me Interesting. and all the things that I picked up, you know, precognitively, I had zero thoughts about that fact. And yet it, it formed me, it shaped me. It gave me a confidence that think, think about all things, all the things that that conveys. First of all, I felt loved. Okay. Time I, spent with you. Yeah. The quality time right. for sure. Um, I had the sense that there was a being who was vastly more powerful than me and yet could playfully um, interact with me. I felt safe because of his strength. Um, and yet it was evident who would win if this was real, <laughs> right? Um, spe speaking of which, yeah, that, that makes I remember the last time I've never beat my dad is five six. Weighs pro weighed probably 130 pounds at his largest. Wow, and um, I'm significantly bigger. So, but I've never beaten him in arm wrestling because the last time we arm wrestled, I was 15, and uh, we were wrestling across a piano bench. And about halfway through, I could tell I was going to win. And for some reason, it made me start laughing, and I started laughing so hard that he beat me. But then he would never arm wrestle me again. After that? <laughs> right. That was it. That was... You've proven your point. <laughs> yeah, or something. Uh, anyway, so the, I think character began that way. Um, and, of course, I, I'm totally not aware of it. Se second thing that I think he did, that at least it occurred to me, mm -hmm. um, my dad was a high school principal. and or, Well, Christian school principal, actually. It was K through 12. And um, we would walk to work in the mornings and then he would stick around after school and I'd walk home alone. And, you know, your, your perspective on how far things are as a child is highly exaggerated. But I think it was probably a mile, maybe just slightly over a mile, if I had to guess. And um, it was my job uh, in first grade when I would get home from school. My dad had put a kitchen trash can, you know, I don't know, maybe two and a half feet tall type of thing. And he put a, he took some black electrician's tape and put a, a mark roughly three quarters of the way up the trash can. And then I had to fill it with rocks from our backyard before I could eat supper every night, every weeknight. And I, I just, I mean, it was mind numbingly boring and, and quite a lot of rocks were required to fill that up every night. But that certainly began to teach me character. And, and then he consistently required that type of thing. And if there wasn't work to be done, he would come up with work uh, for me to do. Elaborate on how that built character. Well, it's a little bit of a mystery to me. Mm -hmm. And my response was at times not positive, right? Uh, sometimes I was just seriously annoyed. But it, it was such a consistent part of my life. There were other times where I responded much better. So if I... I 
when I was uh, two summers in a row, the summers I was 14 and 15, he asked me to dig a hole in the back 40. We had some property that was uh, below the house. And, and um, I'm not sure how he, how large he defined that the hole needed to be, but I seized the day. And so I dug a six foot long, four foot wide and about five foot deep hole and carved steps down the way to be able to dig it and everything. And um, I remember thoroughly enjoying that. Of course, it also gave me a serious set of shoulders too. Uh, but I also remember when I was maybe um, eight or nine, he asked me to plant a garden. Mm -hmm. And so uh, I did from, from, I mean, I grabbed a hoe and, and tilled up the land. Uh, and a neighbor took pity on me at one one day and came over with his tiller and finished tilling the, nice. the plot. Um <laughs> But the reason it sticks in my mind is because that summer we were eating some of the corn that I had planted. And my dad goes, man, this corn from my garden is just fantastic. <laughs> and I just about blew my top. I'm like, what do you mean from your garden? Um, looking back on it, I think he was joking. I think he had a very understated sense of humor. But that, all of that played a part in the forming of my character. Um, and I don't know how to add it up. I mean, on the one hand, it made me a hard worker. Yeah. Um, I started my own lawn business at 13 and haven't stopped working since. Mm. Uh, the summer that, uh, the year of my senior year, uh, my, my, the eighties, that depression in the eighties mm -hmm. had a significant impact on my dad's career. And, uh, so they had homeschooled me for my junior year and I really didn't enjoy that process. Um, and so for my senior year, they said, well, what do you want to do? And I wanted to go to a Christian school in Fort Wayne, which is about 40 minutes from where we lived. And they said, well, we're okay with that, but you'll have to pay the tuition. And I'm like, deal. So I worked four jobs and played soccer and went to, had the best year of my life. My senior year was just a fantastic year. But it was, I mean, highly unusual. You know, nobody else had multiple jobs. So... That has helped me for my entire life. That, and it was consistent in our family. My um, my grandpa, my dad's dad, used to pull me aside and say, "Nathan, in life you have to learn it's root hog or die. It's root hog or die." And you know the the message was, life can be hard scrabble. You might have to do whatever it takes. I I want to also say, not only did my dad, you know, I could tell more stories of just the constant work that we had to do, even if he had to make it up for us to do. But there was never a time where I was working and he wasn't. Right? Mm -hmm. so, um, I remember getting up early in the morning and my dad was already already up, always already up, sitting in a specific chair, his reading chair, his Bible open. And, you know, that formed my character. Oh, this is what a man does. Yeah, all of those so early formative experiences have a huge impact. Um, oh, I, I wanted to... Here's another story that I would definitely... So um, I tend to live in my head. Like uh, the world of ideas is mm -hmm. the most real to me. Not that I don't appreciate the, the physical world. Great appreciation for it. But it just naturally, the ideas are super important to me. So when I got home from work, not... A, 
this was a little bit later, bringing in the trash cans every Tuesday was my job. They would be at the end of the driveway and I was supposed to bring in the empty trash cans and put them beside the garage where they went. And uh, every day, every Tuesday on the walk home, at some point I would think, oh, I, I need to bring those trash cans in. But then by the time I got to our house, I would be thinking about something else and I'd just walk right by them and never even see them. Mm -hmm. There was never a time that I thought, I'd, I'm not going to do that. I don't want to. It, I just couldn't remember. And I was playing baseball at the time and doing pretty well. And, and so my dad pulled me aside one day and goes, look, I, I bought this Louisville Slugger. And if you can bring in the trash cans three weeks in a row, this bat is yours. Wow. It took me a year to earn the bat. A year? <laughs> that says something about character too, right? I mean, the, the, I had Z, it, there was no bad character there. But it was just endemic to my nature that even though I wanted to do the right thing, it took um, intense focus and persistent effort. Three weeks in a row. Yeah, well, that's another lesson too, right? My dad didn't say, hey, you do this, you can have the bat. He said, and, and what I, you know, there were times when I did it two weeks in a row and then forgot the third. Wow, I can never get three weeks. Yeah, it took me a year to finally get three weeks. Wow. That's character forming stuff. Yeah, it is. Yeah. No, at the time, I was immensely frustrated. <laughs> right? Oh, so frustrated. It's because you're, uh, you were busy back then. You know, would you say the multiple jobs at that time? Oh, no, this is younger. This is, I was maybe <clears throat> 10 years old. Well, no, actually, I was, I was uh, 11. 11. Yeah. So you're um, definitely talking about, it's really good to think about how character was formed in your home, and your perspective is with your dad. Right. You know, and I think um, our dads are the leaders of the home. And we definitely glean from them because we're men. We mm -hmm. glean from, you know, what our dads did. Um, that's amazing. Because, you know, it's great to hear that because I'm sure other people may have something differently, maybe from their mom or from their older brother or yes. you know, something. But it's uh, our dads need to take that take the reins on that more in this country to teach our young children good character. They have to have good character. They do. They have to set that good example, which it seems like he did for you. Yeah, you know, and it's so tempting to rely on truisms, like you, more is caught than is taught. Mm -hmm. I'm not sure if it's, and I think that's true, but my dad was so intentional about the character he was trying to develop in me now there, but there was also overreaction. So things that, uh, here's an example. And I'm really reflecting on this part of character that's just, it's just who you are. It's how you're born. Mm -hmm. And then the second step is how do you obtain something different, right? Right. But I remember when I was seven, my dad took me down to the local, one of the local banks and kind of made a big deal about it, you know. In the same way that I'd be like, hey, son, you want to go out to breakfast? He was like, hey, let's go to the bank and get you a savings account. I remember being given the passbook, you know, the little sort of half of the length of a checkbook. And, yeah. and, then, and then my brother, my younger, I just have one younger brother. Same, same thing happened for him, same ritual. But his response to it and mine were so different. Um, my instinctive thought was, you know, unless I have at least five bucks, uh, I'm just not making a deposit. Whereas my brother would put in every 
50 cents that he could. Yeah. Well, guess who had the most money in their savings account when we graduated high school? Yeah. It wasn't me, right? So that's bad character. It took, and it, and yet also not, like there was no um, negative intent there. It's just that I did not naturally come to the idea that small, persistent deposits make the biggest difference. Um, now you give me a Herculean task and I will jump on it, right? I'll jump mm -hmm. down in the foxhole and I'll lift whatever it takes. Agreed. That, that's what came naturally. But then as an adult, I remember realizing, you know, anybody can jump in front of a car to save a kid. But doing the dishes with your wife every night, even though it means you're going to have to get up earlier the next morning, that's the real character. That's way more difficult than an instinctive response. But there's character in both things, right? I mean, someone who instinctively responds, that's positive character and does, and does something good or right. That's character. But it's a different sort of character than the one that, that says, I'm going to make my wife feel good about me wanting to do dishes with her rather than making her feel like this is a sacrifice I'm making on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Even though the reality is it, you know, it is, uh, there, there might be something significant that I need to be spending time on, but what am I, anyway, there's so many things we could say about that. Yeah, that's true. It's just a team effort, you know, with the dishes or whatever, and people have different opinions about this, but uh, with marriage and they have, may have roles. Yeah, there's, there's roles, you know, we're wife and husband, but we share a lot together too. A lot of people just separate duties. You know, well, the women does the laundry, the woman should stay in the kitchen, things of that nature. I have formed myself. Um, I've learned in times past where my wife, I wouldn't help my wife cook, help her clean, stuff like that. I would be doing other things in the living room, watching TV, and I have no clue what message I am giving to my children or her or whoever, right? Mm -hmm. Until I figured out, I've learned in the past, I've learned over time about being blameless and also helping out your wife, the prize of your life, um, protecting her, doing what you can as a husband to be a team. And so before I do anything, I just want to make sure I'm helping her in the kitchen. It's now a given that she cooks. I'll help her cook if I'm able to, and but I will clean. I'll wash the dishes, which I love washing dishes. I love cleaning. And... So it works out, you know, it helps your relationship, helps your marriage. Uh, it helps her out a lot. It uh, sends her the message yes. that she's loved, that yes. you care about her instead of just sitting on the couch and not doing anything, which the husbands out there, if you do that, I would recommend you change that character and improve that area of your life because wives do appreciate. They may not want, tell you they may not want your help, but I guarantee you it'll do numbers. It'll make a huge impact it shows them how much you love them. It tells them <clears throat> that you value them, mm -hmm. that the time spent with them is more valuable to you than the time, well, certainly than watching TV, right? But even, right. let's say you were going to spend your time doing something valuable, um, working in the garage or, or um, doing the taxes or whatever. You're still saying, you're the most important to me um, without saying it. Yeah. Um like nowadays, uh, if I want to, I'm excited to podcast. I love coming up here to my uh, room and podcasting, getting ready. 
typing out the next you know episode or whatever. There's a lot that goes into it. Sure. But before I do that, I want to make sure my net, my wife's needs are met throughout the house. If she needs help with something, because it goes back to blameless being blameless, but that's not the huge hundred percent cause. It's because I want to show love to her. Say, hey, what can I do to help you? You need this done. Boom! Instead of just leaving her behind and coming up here and spending an hour to three hours on podcasting, where she's downstairs doing, you know, right. So it's uh, priorities. You know, we could spend an entire <laughs> podcast talking about um, what the ideal role of the household as the fundamental economic unit of the world yeah. is and and whether you why our society is kicking against the goad of the idea of the of a housewife for example mm -hmm. but if you understand that a business is just a weak imitation of what a family is intended to be mm -hmm. then the role of housewife is coo Mm -hmm. it's not insignificant mm -hmm. it's the most significant thing you can possibly do right you are well anyway that's a whole nother it is. conversation it will uh, definitely i'll have you on again for that the other thing you mentioned blameless a couple times yes I, what I, I have a definition of blameless i but i'd love Please. to hear what you think about when you're talking about blameless so blameless um with my family i have uh, you know when i've learned that word some time ago probably about 10 years ago. I love it. It's when I first heard it, I'm like, wow, I've never heard that, you know, blameless. So I've taught my kids to be blameless, you know, do what's right. Um, respect your parents, obey your parents, uh, obey uh, authority, because it's just going to be that way for the rest of your life. Mm, you know, yeah. Uh, teachers, husbands, uh, even with my son, he's going to have teachers, bosses, whatever. There's go always going to be an authoritative person in their life to be blameless and just do but there's so many different ways of um but so my definition of just doing what you need to do when you know you need to do it and say also with your mouth your mouth can get you in so much trouble be blameless and be quiet shut up you know mm -hmm. i love the proverbs that talks about even uh fools look wise when they keep their mouth shut i love that and i've told my kids that because we can get so much trouble by with what we speak and actions, but just be blameless. You know yeah. what they know, and we know, and I know what we should not be doing, and just be blameless, so no one can say, "Hey, above reproach." Above reproach, just yeah. like um, my boss. If my boss, because I work my butt off at work, um, I never call in sick. You know, I have good attendance, things of that nature. So when my boss asks me to come see him. I know for a fact, being blameless, he's not going to talk to me about anything I'm doing wrong. Just, it's, so I teach my kids that. You should have that same approach. Be blameless. Do what you need to do. Do your chores, things of that nature. Be blameless. Yeah. The thing I've, I've I love that. Um, the thing I've added to it, though, because I think the danger in the goal of being blameless is to think that it needs to be, means you need to be perfect. Mm. I mean, I mean, it it literally does, right? Blameless means having no blame. That no one can against you. get you, attack you. So I like to define it as being perfectly confessed. Mm -hmm. And that ties directly into character for me. Yes. Because the, the verse that has had the greatest impact to, uh, for me and that I keep coming back to over, I mean, 
it's been 20 plus years now that I keep coming back to this and musing on, on different insights. But it's the proverb that says, the righteous man falls down seven times and gets up gets yet again. And first of all, that's significant because seven in the Hebraic thinking was the uh, the number associated with the idea of perfection or um, not so much perfection as like um, perpetuity, uh, eternity. So to say that he falls down seven times means like he falls frequently, repetitively. It's not just seven. But the point is that if he's righteous, he gets up again. And... Uh, how does that match with character? Well, I also, over time, I've come to see, and this ties it back to why starting with my dad wrestling with me is such a big deal. Mm -hmm. Because what you struggle with throughout life is that you're so consistently aware that your character is lacking. Right. Which is true, going to be true for everybody. Yeah. Maybe in different areas right. than somebody else. Some have weaker areas and strengths than other. Right. But I, I think back to what is... To those who are in Christ, what is God's perspective? And and the quintessential visual for me is this idea of a father watching his toddler try to walk. Now, the thing about toddlers, I mean, it's right in the name. Toddlers are horrible walkers, right? They try to, they're learning to walk. They, they can't make it from one side of the living room to the other. Mm-hmm. But what does the face of that dad look like as his father, as the, his toddler stumbles across the room? It's just filled with delight and, and joy, right? But the only thing that would upset the father is if the toddler quit trying. Well, so that, that's what I think of when I think about the righteous man falls down seven times. And then the, the, the scope of my life is just me stumbling Ephesians 5.1 says, Be imitators of God, therefore, like dearly beloved children. And uh, that, so that's it to me. I'm, I'm just stumbling after Christ, knowing that there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus, which doesn't mean he doesn't continue to instruct me. He says, look, this is what, be perfect as I am perfect, be holy as I am holy. This is what holiness, this is what my character looks like. Pursue it. But I've already satisfied it for you. So now you're free to stumble after me. And I'm free to delight in your faltering efforts. That gives me the freedom to develop character rather than to feel um, that I'm a failure because I'm not yet perfect and won't ever be until we're glorified. It's true. Yeah. No, I like that with the blameless, a different approach on that, you know, uh, so I think we've uh, I think you've you've touched on as uh, character as when you're young, um, as a family man, as a dad, you know, uh, as your dad, you kind of give an example that, and it kind of goes along with you and I as dads having good character so that our kids can follow suit. Mm-hmm. Do you have any uh, like examples or experiences when? You had a terrible choice. You did something wrong that kind of just poked a hole in your character. Yeah, or, or made me aware of what was lacking. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, a few things stand out to me. First of all, again, starting when I was young, uh, I must have been maybe eight or so, and I, my, my next-door neighbor 
had a really nice white pocket knife. And he let me borrow it. And I just kind of casually slipped it in my pocket and didn't return it. And then at some point I was asked, you know, do you know what happened to the pocket knife? And no, I, I have no idea. And looking back, I think everybody involved in the whole scenario knew that I had took it, but I was insistent. No, I didn't take it. And uh, I, I don't remember exactly how this lasted. But I think it was at least across the duration of a week. And then the upshot of it was one night, finally, it was a Sunday, and we always went to Sunday morning and Sunday evening. And my dad and I stayed home and didn't go to church that Sunday night. So the mess, the unspoken message was, this is important. <laughs> and uh, I, I don't remember the details of the conversation, but at some point, you know, I can, I broke down and confessed, yes, it was me. So then, well, what are we going to do? And I, there was a, a an immediate discipline. I, I think I was spanked. I don't remember for sure. But what stuck with me is my dad said, okay, you, you've got to give it back, but you also need to give him something else on top of it, which I didn't know at the time, but it's a biblical principle, right? The whole idea, if you've stolen something, you give it back plus 20%. Wow. And so I went and bought a model car and gave him his knife back, apologized, asked forgiveness, and gave him the model car, which were big with uh, you know our neighborhood set at model the time. Model cars? Yeah. Yeah. So there was one, you know, I demonstrated a lack of character, but then character was formed in me through the response. For, from good leadership. Yes, exactly. Accountability from your dad. That's good. Yeah. I, of course, I did not enjoy pretty much anything no. about the experience. <laughs> a lot of times we don't. The toil is hard. I, I remember another time, uh, this was in business, and I had been tasked to start a division for cybersecurity in a larger consulting company. And I had brought a specific customer into the organization. And then it turned out there was an opportunity for one of the other business units to maybe find some business in there. And um, the individual I was working with was not a, a Christian uh, from the other division. And I had brought him into that customer and introduced him and now he had an opportunity and then there was some disagreement about how, I, I don't remember what it, what the details were, but what, how something was going to be handled. And I felt really, really strongly about what was right and what was wrong. And, and he disagreed. And I remember at one point the conversation elevated to the point that I stood up and looked at him over the cubicle wall and I was like, I will get my way in this loud enough for like the whole room to hear. And man, I am just filled with regrets over that. First of all, my motivation was positive. Second of all, the way it sounded was horrible, right? right? What I meant was, look, I'm the director of this division. This is my customer. I'm going to make the decision about what's right and what's wrong here and what we're going to do. Um, because it's my responsibility. But how it sounded was like, I want my way. Uh -huh. It literally was not what motivated me at all. But the impact on him, I, you know, I, I think I lost so much opportunity, um, gave such a bad impression, did not control my emotions, allowed my, my passion to overrule my reason. Um, critical error, critical error. 
no bad character in my motivations, but poor character in my... Um, You're delivering yeah, your approach. Right. Yeah, exactly. All of the above. That stuck with me for a long time. Um, another occasion that... Uh, Let me read this quote oh, real sure. quick. Because yeah. you just, you hit it on the head with this quote I just found yesterday about leadership. Often poor leadership is masked by those with the loudest voice and the strongest opinions. Oh, boy. And as a parent, that um, I want to make sure I'm, you know, I may have an opinion. Because I've heard my kids say, Dad, you think you're always right. Or you think you don't listen to us, what our opinion is. And so that stuck with me as a parent. Sure. I need to be a good leader and listen. Because good leaders, listen. And, and make sure that they understand if you put your foot down, it's not because you have the loudest voice or the most strength. It's because of X conviction. Yeah, there's different circumstances for that, yeah. for sure. You know, if they're doing something really bad, you know, you're going you gotta to have a, a strong opinion because it keeps them safe and then let them know, okay, this is a, a character moment. Right. And a teaching moment for them. Yes, I have a strong opinion not to do A, B, and C. Right. But yeah, there's times where our pride gets in the way and gets in the mixture like vinegar and water, and it's just tainted. Yeah. And it just doesn't deliver very well, just like what you just experienced. Yeah. Yeah, that definitely did not deliver well. <laughs> <laughs> We're all guilty of that. Yeah. Are you going to say something after that? Or is that... Oh, I, I was thinking about another time. Um, this is while I was pastoring. There was a young man. Yeah, actually, I'm not even going to share that. That's too. Well, I, in a, in an effort to lead the congregation in a specific place. I guess I should. So this young man had moved from two hours away to live next door to us and asked. Um, well, first came and asked, "Will you mentor me?" And then moved so that could happen. Um, and became just a close, close friend. My my kids call him uncle, etc. Mm -hmm. And so then I had given this whole teaching on um, soul sync is how I was branding it, wanting to move beyond the teaching of doctrine to the relating of hearts where character is really formed. Too often, we, as soon as things become uncomfortable in a relationship, instead of embracing that opportunity to form good character, we just try to escape the tension, right? And I was saying, no, the, the point of relationship, especially covenantal relationship, is um, natural accountability. So, you know, like having an accountability partner that's artificially set up, that can be awkward. It doesn't always work that well. But natural accountability is highly effective. I, I like to say, think about, back when we lived in small villages and there was a town drunk, right? Mm -hmm. Why? Because everybody knew and there's very few people who are willing to, yeah, I'm the town drunk. But in our suburban environment where, you know, we pull up to our house, open the garage door, drive in, walk into our house, we never even see our neighbor much of the time. There's tons of functional drunks. Whereas did we live in that small village environment, the natural accountability would keep more of us safe. You see what I mean? Right. 
Well, so I was trying to say, hey, let's get to know each other at the level of who are you, who am I, um, where do was further transformation really need to take place? And then my my beloved friend, I asked him about something I knew had been difficult in his life, having no clue how deep, just having being naive and thoughtless about how deep of a wound it was for him. And so then in that public room, it, it just, boom, snapped him right into tears. Wow. And he began um, crying in a way, not that he was like crying and, and could process with everybody, but it, it just shut down him and the whole environment. Worse for me, I had just hurt someone I loved dearly. Mm-hmm. All of my intentions were positive, but boy, did I goof, Right. And I've often thought about that, like, once again, who has good character? The person that will drive all night because I'm going to do whatever it takes to get this done? Or the person who plans ahead to make sure you have enough time to get eight hours of sleep each night on the drive? Mm -hmm. Well, both, right? But the question is more, which is going to come naturally to you? One person might plan ahead. Another person might be, I will not give up. We will we will do whatever it takes to accomplish this. Both of those are examples of good character. Both of those could become bad character if they're not combined with wisdom, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I'm going to persevere, do whatever it takes, but am I endangering the three-year-old in the backseat because I've been driving for 20 hours straight? You see what I mean? I do. Yeah. You I, could apply that with a lot of things in life. Of course. There's so many ways that could go. A lot of perspectives. That brings me back, though, to why I do like the idea of character is the sum of your choices. And maybe you should, maybe that, maybe that's the, res, that's what that definition is needing. It's the sum of your choices and how you respond to their, and how you respond to them, maybe. There's something about response that's an essential part of forming character because horrible things can happen to anybody and you can, they can transform your life mm-hmm. or make you bitter. And that has everything to do with you rather than. It's distinctive to an individual. Yes. Character. Sure. Um, but I think there's a lot of different uh, definitions. And I think a lot of people will have great definitions of character. But we just know the forefront. Uh, we can all agree that it's the distinctive qualities that an individual has. Um, but you can elaborate so much like you did today. Um, and so character isn't inherited. One builds it daily by way one thinks and acts thought by thought, action by action. Is it true? And can you elaborate or add on how one builds their character? I want to say that it is inherited and built. So right, the the example of my brother and I. Thank you for listening to today's podcast on Champ 180, Defining Character. I hope today's podcast helped or encouraged you in some way. Please look us up and tune in again for next week. Here is a little segment of part two on next Monday. So I looked around the world that my son was going to grow up in, and I'm like, I think we need to have some exposure to this 
Otherwise, going to the mall and walking past Victoria's Secret is going to be a major event for him. I don't want it to be a major event. God bless, and remember to champ up and champ on. Thank you so much for listening to the Champ 180 podcast. I really appreciate your time and tuning in. Again, this is Adam Childress, but I'd like to leave you with a few things to live by daily. That is be thankful, be kind, believe in yourself, never give up, help others, cherish family and friends, do your best, listen with your heart, laugh often, and love lots. Until next time, God bless.